sermon audio is a presentation of First International Baptist Church of Copenhagen, Denmark. Carrie is going to preach from Acts uh, chapter 12, um, the escape uh, from prison that uh, Peter experienced. And um, uh, Carrie will speak from verse 1, but we're just going to read, uh, beginning in verse 9, part of uh, the account. So I'm in Acts chapter 12, beginning in verse 9, uh, follow along as we read. And he went out and followed him, uh, that is, Peter followed the angel, and he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you're out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. May God bless the reading of his word, and now, Carrie, would you come on up and share? Thank you, Eric. So, in 1963, there was a movie called The Great Escape. That's a very exciting movie that starred Steve McQueen, James Garner, and Richard Attenborough. The movie is based upon actual events, but true to Hollywood form, they kind of make up some of the things in the action, from the actual story in the movie. The story is about the escape of British uh, prisoners of war in Nazi Germany in a concentration camp. The film became very popular and was one of the highest grossing films of 1963. The Great Escape is also notable for its motorcycle chase scene and a jump scene in which you can find on YouTube. It's worth watching. It's considered one of the best stunts ever done. And uh, so that's pretty amazing. Of course, Steve McQueen also has other amazing uh, car chase scenes in the movie Bullet. So he's known for his action. Well, as we look at today's story that uh, was just read by Pastor Eric, while not really that exciting compared to The Great Escape, it is very miraculous. And perhaps that's good that it's not exciting because sometimes miracles aren't. We think of you know exciting miracles like the Exodus and the Ten Commandments, if you've seen that movie. Very exciting stuff. But maybe the miraculous is not always exciting, but as we'll see today, it is still nonetheless miraculous. And as thinking today, what about you? Do you ever feel like that you need to be delivered from a situation that you're in, that you need God to do something in your life? Perhaps it is a bad marriage or a bad job. Perhaps it's being lonely, isolated, or feeling like your life is not going anywhere. In today's message, we will look at Peter's miraculous escape from prison and what it means for us today. 
Looking back over the book of Acts so far, Peter has been the dominant character so far. It was Peter who preached on the day of Pentecost and 5,000 souls were saved. It was Peter and John who healed a lame man in the temple. It was Peter and John who spoke boldly before the council. It was Peter who took the gospel to the Roman centurion named Cornelius. Do you think Peter wondered while sitting in prison why this happened to him when things were going so well in his life? What about you? Have you ever wondered why something bad happened in your life when things were going so well? So before we get into the message, just a little bit of background. So far in the book of Acts, chapters 6 through 12 deal with the spread of the gospel beyond Jerusalem. We see in chapter 8, for example, the spread to Samaria. In chapter 10, we see the spread to a Gentile, the Roman centurion named Cornelius. And also in chapter 11, we see the spread to the Gentiles in Antioch. So we're looking here in this example too, the spread of the gospel is very important in the book of Acts. But before we get into the text, I also want to give a little background about this person, Herod Agrippa I. We will look at him at the beginning of Acts chapter 12 and at the end. Herod Agrippa uh, ruled over Judea from 41 to 44 AD. Just three short years was his reign. He was the grandson of Herod the Great, who was the ruler of that area when Jesus was born. Herod grew up in Rome and his playmates were two emperors that people that later became emperors, Caligula and Claudius. So he grew up with very powerful people and as a favor, they made him the ruler of Judea in 41 AD. He is actually was a very wise leader in many ways because he favored the Jews. There was the Emperor Caligula who wanted to institute emperor worship in Jerusalem. And on the advice of the governor of Syria, he intervened and prevented Caligula from bringing emperor worship into Jerusalem. That would have caused very much riots, like the time of Pilate. There would have been riots if he, they had introduced emperor worship. So he favored the Jews a lot. And in the process of favoring the Jews, he opposed Christianity very much. So he wanted to do them favors that were inconsistent with being favorable to the Jews. So if we look at today's text, there are three sections to this. We're gonna look at three truths. The first truth that we will look at is found in verses one through five. And the truth that we'll look at here is that some Christians are martyred and imprisoned for their witness. Truth number two, we'll look at in verses six through 19, and we'll look at the truth that God can miraculously deliver Christians from adversity. Truth number three that we'll look at is found in verses 20 through 24, and the truth there is that God can immediately punish people who do not give glory to him. 
So first of all, let's look at truth number one in verses one through five. And again, the truth is that some Christians are martyred and imprisoned for their witness. It says in verse one, about that time, Herod, the king, laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after this Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. So as we look at these verses, just quickly of the summary of these verses is that Herod executed the apostle James and imprisoned Peter, intending to do the same to Peter, to kill him. So we think about this. Herod, again, is the one that, that was the Herod Agrippa I, the grandson of Herod the Great. He wanted to please the Jews very much, according to history. So this is very consistent that he put the apostle James. Now, this is the James who is the disciple mentioned in the Gospels, the brother of, of John. So this James here was uh, put to death, and the same was intended for Peter to put him to death. It says here that he wanted in verse 3 to please the Jews. That's very important to keep in mind about Herod. He very much wanted to please the Jews and to harm Christians. And this is happening during Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The prison that they mentioned here was probably a tower called Antonia, which was inside the temple complex. And so the Romans used this as a garrison, a place to hold uh, prisoners, the, uh, Antonia. Four squads of soldiers, so there were four each in each squad, and that was because they divided their shifts into three-hour shifts. So one shift number one would take the first three hours, the next set of four soldiers, the next three hours, and so on. And so that's the way they designed it. So they had three hour shifts. And then we noticed that the much prayer went up for Peter. And this was a continual emphasis of Luke in the book of Acts, showing the actions of the disciples that they were praying. We have seen other examples so far in the book of Acts of people praying for people that have been imprisoned. So what does this mean for us today? that some Christians are imprisoned for their witness around the world. Well, Jesus said this was not to be unexpected. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus said, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, wolves so, that he, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness to them before the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you at that hour. For it is not you who will speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. 
So this is not surprising that the apostles suffered at the hands of the Jews. But what about us today? Do Christians still suffer? Well, just think back one year ago to Sri Lanka on Easter Sunday, where there were many people that suffered death by the terrorists that bombed churches and hotels. 259 people died that day. Or just a little over two years ago, a gunman walked into a church in Texas and killed 26 people and injured 20 others in a Baptist church. In 2017, the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom ranked India, pers India's persecution as a severity as tier two, which is the same as Iraq and Afghanistan. The persecution of Christians in India today includes arson of churches, forced conversion of Christians to Hinduism, threats of physical violence, sexual assault, murder of Christian priests, destruction of Christian schools, colleges, and cemeteries. So persecution does happen today. The church is being persecuted even today. So what, how do we respond to persecution of death and of being in prison? Well, just like Stephen, who was stoned in Acts chapter 7, Christians are martyred and imprisoned for their faith, can have the same type of attitude as Stephen. And also Paul, when he was in prison in 2 Timothy chapter 4, this was right before he was executed, most scholars think. Here's what Paul says. For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who has loved his appearing. Truth number two is that God can miraculously deliver Christians from adversity. Pastor Eric already read these verses, so I'm not going to reread them uh, for the text, but just to summarize what happens here. It seems like from this text that Peter was half asleep when this angel appeared and his escape. Again, this is not exciting. Perhaps if Hollywood were to do this, they would put Peter on a horse and have him going galloping out of the prisons with the Romans <laughs> galloping after him and having a more exciting escape. But, you know, we really need to realize that the miraculous is not always that exciting. Here it is, the angel appeared and put the you know, guards to sleep, opened the gate miraculously, and Peter kind of walks out and then he seems like he wakes up and goes, wow, I'm free. He realized this was not a dream. And so we see here also a little bit of humor in this passage. Why? Because when he goes to the house of John Mark, so he knows the right place to go, and John Mark will become an important figure in uh, the next few chapters that we'll be looking at in the book of Acts with Paul and Barnabas. He was the one who wrote the gospel, Mark. 
But the humor is that, you know, Peter's standing outside knocking on the door at the gate, and Rhoda goes in her excitement to answer the door, but she doesn't answer and leaves there. Peter's kind of standing there, and she goes back, all jumping up and down with joy. He's there, he's there. And they're like, oh, it's a ghost. So there's a little bit of humor here in this passage. And so as we look at the miraculous here, it's all very much miraculous, no doubt about it. An angel appearing to Peter, guiding him out and taking him to the house. And yet a little bit of humor is thrown in here for our sakes to realize that this is there's humanness in this story. In verse 17, it talks about James. Now, we just saw in verse, uh, verses 1 through 5 that James was put to death. So we have to realize here this is a different James. In James, the first five verses, we're talking about one of the 12 disciples. Here in verse 17, when it says James, is talking about the half-brother of Jesus who wrote the book of James. So it's a different James that we have here. Interestingly, this James becomes the dominant apostle and leader of the church at Jerusalem. It's James that later on we'll see leads the church to resolve a major conflict over the Gentiles that were coming to faith. Here at the end of verse of the verses 18 and 19, we see that the sentries, the guards that were supposed to take care of Peter were put to death by Herod. That was typical that day, that if you were guarding somebody and they escaped, you got the punishment that it was destined for them. So again, this is proof that the parent intended to put Peter to death because he put the sentries to death. So they got the sentence that he deserved at their dad and Herod intended for them. So what about the application here? So God delivers us when this is an important point, when it accomplishes his will. We have to remember God is out to accomplish his will on this earth. We would love it if God delivered every single person in the time of their adversity. But when it's going to accomplish his purposes, you can be guaranteed that God will do the miraculous. This may not be very comforting, but we do have a guarantee that God will be with us in our time of need. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Notice that Jesus says that in him we have peace. We will have tribulation in this life. But in Jesus, we have peace because he has overcome the world. We may not have peace in this world, but we have peace in Jesus. Again, what about your situation that you're going through? Perhaps it is a bad marriage. Perhaps it's a bad job. Perhaps you're lonely, isolated, are feeling like that your life is not going anywhere. All of us want to be delivered out of that situation that we're going through. But when God does not miraculously deliver us, we need to remember that he is with us in our situation. Psalm 23 verse 4 says, 
Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. Truth number three, God can immediately punish people who do not give glory to him. Let's look at verses 20 through 24. Now Herod was angry at the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord, and having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace because their country depended on the king's country for food. On the appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat on the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of a God and not a man. Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give the God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. But the word of God increased and multiplied. So to summarize so far, in chapter 12 begins and ends with this King Herod Agrippa I, who is a persecutor of the church and brings about his own death. Outside the Bible, this event we see here in verses 20 through 24 is recorded by a Jewish historian by the name of Josephus. And you can find in his book called Jewish Antiquities, chapters 9, 19, verses 343 to 350, a description of this event. And he adds a little bit of detail. But before we get to this, we need to look back here. So people of Tyre and Sidon depended upon Judea for food. They felt like they weren't being treated cor uh, correctly. And so they went to this person, Blastus, who was a chamberlain. Now, a chamberlain is technically a bedchamber, a person over the bedroom. But really, they're much more than just a person over the bedroom. They were a person of authority. So they were a person that was trusted by Herod. So the people of Tyre and Sidon appealed to a person because they didn't have direct access to the king. They went to a person who had responsibility and spoke to him to speak to Herod. And so Herod went to listen to them. And so it says here that they went, they went there and Herod put on his royal robes. What Josephus adds as information is that these were like, had flecks of gold in his, his robe. And so when the sun shone upon them, it blinded their eyes, according to Josephus. He puts a little bit more detail in there. And so they were very impressed by this person standing there in these robes and speaking in a very authoritative voice and seeing the sun shining off of his royal robes. They were blinded and they gave glory to him, how wonderful he was. And because he did not give glory to God, well, contrast, contrast this with chapter 10. When the Roman centurion met Peter, he fell before him and worshiped Peter. And how would Peter take that worship? He said, stand up. I am not the one you give glory to. You give glory to God. And so we see here a contrast that 
Peter, being very humble, did not accept the glory given, the praise given by man, whereas Herod did accept that praise and glory that only belongs to God. And because of that, he paid the ultimate price. God afflicted him with a disease of worms, and he died as a result of that. So God is able to do that. He is able to judge those that do not give glory to him. Then finally, we have this summary verse in verse 24 about the word of God. We have seen this elsewhere. There are actually four passages in Acts that deal with the increasing of the word of God. In Acts chapter 6, we've already seen it says, and the word of God continued to increase. Here in verse 24 of chapter 12, it says, but the word of God increased and multiplied. In the next chapter, we'll look at Acts chapter 13. It says, and the word of God was spreading through the whole region. And finally, in Acts chapter 19, we'll see, so the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. So this is an important theme in the book of Acts, the increasing power of the word of God. So let's look at how do we apply these verses here in verses 20 through 24. First of all, we are to glorify God in all that we do and say. He alone gets the glory for whatever we accomplish in his name. The apostle Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So first, we should give glory to God that he has saved us from sin and death. Then we give glory to God for the specific ways that he has delivered us from the power of sin and death. Look back over your life and ponder how God has worked in your life to the present day. Give glory to him for the things that he has done in your life. In this way, we continue the story of how God delivered Peter from his imprisonment when we give glory for what he has done. In contrast, God does judge people. In the parable of the rich fool who wanted to build bigger barns, Jesus said, but God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? The rich, thus the rich fool did not, did not give glory to God for prospering him and paid the ultimate price. So let's summarize these three truths that we've looked at today. Truth number one, Christians are not immune to being martyred and imprisoned for their witness. Herod executed the apostle James and imprisoned Peter, intending to do the same to him. Let us remember the application. Some Christians do die today and are imprisoned for their witness in the world. Jesus warned that those who follow him will be hated by the world. Christians who are martyred and imprisoned for their faith look to the next life as their reward. Truth number two, 
God is able to miraculously deliver Christians from adversity. Peter was half asleep throughout his miraculous escape from the prison by the angel, by the angel that led him out. Our application again, God delivers us when it accomplishes his will. God does not guarantee deliverance for everyone. We will have tribulation in this life, but in Jesus we have peace because he has overcome the world. Truth number three, God is able to immediately punish people who do not give glory to him. Chapter 12 ends with God bringing about the death of Herod Grippa I because he did not give glory to God. Our application again is that we are to glorify God in all that we do and say. He alone gets the glory for whatever he accomplishes in our lives. So in conclusion, while these three truths may be hard for you to accept, they are still truth. There, these truths may not be comforting when you are going through a hard time, especially when you are being persecuted for your faith. I had a professor in college who said, truth is like salami. No matter how you slice it, it's still salami. <laughs> so truth is truth. It may be hard, but no matter how you slice it, it's still truth. So in this life, you will have tribulation. But in the next life, there will be no more tears, no more crying, no more suffering. So let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you for these truths. Lord, they may be hard to swallow. We may not like to hear them, but they are truths from your word, God. And I pray, Lord, that like Peter, God, that we will give glory when we have the miraculous happen in our lives, God. Help us, Lord, to keep our eyes upon you, Lord, and to do your will, God, even when it's hard. And Lord, comfort those right now that are going through a hard time in their lives and help them to keep their focus upon you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This has been a presentation of First International Baptist Church of Copenhagen, Denmark. To listen to more sermon podcasts or to learn more about FIBC, please visit www.fibc.dk or facebook.com forward slash F-I-B-C-C-P-H Thank you for listening.